Today's episode is sponsored by Beam. Are you ready to spend 2022 getting the relaxation and sleep you so deserve? This year, prioritize you first with Beam's premium CBD products for sleep. I've had problems sleeping for most of my life, and the slightest thing can completely throw off my sleep pattern. This was usually a great source of stress for me, but now that I've added Beam to my nightly routine, I never have to worry about falling asleep. Beam is the world's most innovative functional wellness brand, and their Dream Powder will give you the best sleep of your entire life. Just mix Dream Powder into hot water or milk, stir, and enjoy a nice cup of hot cocoa before bedtime. Here's why it works. Our bodies have an endocannabinoid system or a highway of communication between the brain and the body, specifically designed to work with cannabinoids, which is why CBD has taken over the wellness world recently. And Beam's Nano CBD dramatically increases your body's ability to absorb CBD, making their products the most effective in the wellness space. It contains natural sleep-promoting ingredients, triple lab tested, no THC, and you wake up feeling refreshed. I've been using Beam's Dream Powder almost every single night for months now, and I don't think I can ever go back. Sleep comes easy, the drink is delicious, and I wake up well-rested and ready to take on the day. Find out why Forbes and the New York Times are talking about Beam and why it's trusted by the world's top athletes like Danica Patrick and Baker Mayfield. For a limited time, get 40% off the first three months of membership or 20% off a one-time purchase when you go to beamorganics.com slash mcom. That's B-E-A-M organics.com slash M-C-O-M for up to 40% off. Make 2022 the year of you with Beam. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cop of murder. What makes a man who seemingly has it all throw it all away to take the lives of innocent women? On February 26, 1984, a woman's life was taken and a killing spree began. A spree at the hands of men who, on the surface, seem to have it all. So if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Christopher Bernard Wilder was born on March 13, 1945 in Sydney, New South Wales, to a father who was an American naval officer and a mother who was an Australian national. A life that almost didn't come to fruition when the sickly child, read his last rites as an infant, nearly drowned at the age of just two, and at the age of three, suffered from convulsions while riding in the car with his parents and had to be resuscitated. As a teenager, Christopher's problems switched from health to behavioral, and at the age of just 17, he and a group of his friends were charged with gang-raping a girl on the local beach. He pleaded guilty to carnal knowledge and received a one-year's probation and mandatory counseling counseling that included group therapy and, according to his own statements, electroshock treatments that seemed to do very little to help the troubled young man. A short while later, Christopher married a woman who left him after just one week, and in 1969, emigrated to the United States for a fresh start. There, he moved into an upscale home in Boynton Beach, Florida, became a successful real estate man, and sparked an interest in photography. 
Soon, the bachelor was sitting on a comfortable fortune, and in his pastime, he went on ski vacations in Vail, raced cars, entertained women, and took his speedboat out for a run on his own private dock. He seemed to have everything a man could want. This, however, did not seem to stop his devious tendencies, and from 1971 to 1975, he was arrested and charged with a number of sex crimes, most of which involved teenage girls, that eventually culminated in the rape of a young girl that he lured into his car under the pretense of photographing her for a modeling gig. This lie would soon become a pretty successful MO for the budding serial killer, who, for one reason or another, was never significantly jailed for any of these offenses. After this latest brush with the law, Christopher, who by this point claimed he was suffering from blackouts, went back to Australia to visit his parents. While there, on December 28, 1982, he was accused of kidnapping two 15-year-old girls from a beach in New South Wales and forcing them to pose for pornographic photos. He was arrested the next day, charged with kidnapping and indecent assault. His parents posted his $350,000 bail, and he was permitted to return to the U.S. while waiting for his trial on May 7, 1983, and later postponed to April 3, 1984 a court date that Christopher Wilder never showed up for. While awaiting his trial back in Australia, the handsome self-made man began a six-week cross-country crime spree that would leave eight beautiful women dead in his wake. On February 26, 1984, 20-year-old model Rosario Gonzalez was last seen at the Miami Grand Prix, where she was working as a spokesmodel, a race that Christopher also attended, racing his Porsche 911. The pair were then seen leaving the race together that evening, and neither Rosario nor her body has ever been seen since. A few weeks later, on March 5, 1984, Miss Florida finalist and former girlfriend of Christopher Wilder, Elizabeth Kenyon, seemed to disappear in the same manner as Rosario. Now, because both women had been connected to Christopher in one way or another, police went looking for the Lothario in hopes that he could shed some light on their whereabouts something that the Miami Herald, though not naming him specifically, reported on just days before the police came to his door. When they did, Christopher was nowhere to be found. By the time they came knocking, Christopher had already skipped a therapy appointment, dropped his dogs off at a kennel, and made his way to Merritt Island, Florida, where he led 21-year-old Teresa Waite Ferguson away from the Merritt Square Mall, murdered her, and dumped her body in the Canaveral Groves, where it was found five days later on March 23rd. An hour after Teresa was last seen with Christopher, he called a local tow truck company to help pull his car out of the sand near the Canaveral Groves, a spot that was a popular lover's lane to the locals. He was alone and claimed he had gotten lost, paid the company with a business partner's stolen credit card, and made his way out of town. After her body was located and reported, a witness came forward and claimed she saw a long-haired brunette, Teresa, talking to a tall, older man. While looking through mugshots, she, without hesitation, picked out Christopher Wilder from the lineup. On March 20th, 1984, just days before Teresa's body was found, Christopher, now in Tallahassee, abducted 19-year-old Florida State University student Linda Grover from the Governor Square Mall and transported her across state lines into Bainbridge, Georgia, 
She declined his offer to photograph her for a modeling gig, and after assaulting her in the parking lot, Christopher tied up her hands, wrapped her up in a blanket, and stuffed her into his car. She was taken to the Glen Oaks Motel, where she was raped, bound with a blow dryer and super glue, had her eyelids smeared with glue, and had copper wire attached to her feet that would pass an electrical current through her beaten body. When she tried to make an escape, and he attempted to beat her into submission, she managed to get away, lock herself in the bathroom, and pound on the walls for some help. Christopher fled in his car, taking all her belongings with him, and she managed to survive her ordeal. The very next day, clearly undeterred by his near miss, Christopher approached 23-year-old Terry Walden, a wife, mother, and nursing student from Beaumont, Texas, and asked her to pose for him as a model. She turned him down, but two days later, coincidentally ran into him yet again. This time, he did not take no for an answer. Kidnapped and stabbed her to death before dumping her body unceremoniously in a canal where she was found on March 26, 1984. Christopher, just after killing her, fled in her rust-colored 1981 Mercury Cougar. On March 25, 1984, Christopher abducted 21-year-old Suzanne Logan at the Penn Square Mall in Oklahoma City, drove her 180 miles away to Newton, Kansas, checked into a motel, raped her, tortured her, and then drove her 90 miles away to Junction City, Kansas after eating breakfast and stabbed her to death before leaving her body under a cedar tree. She was found the next day floating in the Milford Reservoir near Manhattan, Kansas. The next to fall victim to this dangerous photographer was an 18-year-old girl named Cheryl Bonaventura, who was taken captive in Grand Junction, Colorado on March 29, 1984. They were seen together in a diner in Silverton where they told the staff that they were heading to Las Vegas and would be stopping in Durango on the way. They were last seen on March 30th at the Four Corners Monument as Christopher checked into the Page Boy Motel shortly thereafter. Cheryl was then shot, stabbed, and dumped near the Kanab River in Utah. Her body wouldn't be found until May 3rd. On April 1st, 1984, 17-year-old Michelle Korfman, an aspiring model, disappeared from a 17 magazine cover model competition being held at the Meadows Mall in Las Vegas where a photo was taken that would later reveal Christopher Wilder stalking her at this event. Her body remained undiscovered until May 11th, and she was left unidentified until mid-June. While her whereabouts remained unknown, the photo of him and the long list of female victims he was leaving behind was enough for the FBI to get involved and link three of the murders, one of the kidnappings, and four of the disappearances to Christopher Wilder. He was described by the FBI spokesperson as a, quote, significant danger and was placed on the 10 most wanted list on April 3rd, 1984. The very next day, Christopher met and photographed a 16-year-old girl named Tina Marie Risico, abducted her, and drove her to El Centro where he raped and assaulted her. But unlike the other women and girls who came before her, Christopher made the decision to keep Tina alive in hopes that she would help him lure in some more unsuspecting victims, hoping her presence would put them more at ease and make their abduction a little easier on him. Together, they traveled back east and ended up in Merrillville, Indiana on April 10th, where she, in an act of self-preservation and fear, helped Christopher to abduct 16-year-old Donette Wilt from the South Lake Mall. She was then raped several times as Tina drove his car back to New York, 
And as they approached the area of Penyan, Christopher took Donette out of the car and dragged her into the woods, where he suffocated, stabbed, and abandoned her in the middle of the trees. Donette waited until she was sure her captor was gone, tied a pair of jeans around herself, and was taken to the hospital by a truck driver whom she flagged down. Not only did she manage to survive the attacks, but she was able to tell police about Christopher's new captive and that the pair said that they were heading towards Canada. On their way, and completely unaware that Donette had just survived her attack, Christopher went to the Eastview Mall in Victor, New York, and forced 33-year-old Beth Dodge into his car while having Tina follow in Beth's Firebird. Christopher then shot Beth and dumped her body in a gravel pit before getting into the Firebird with Tina. He instructed her to drive to Logan Airport in Boston, where he bought her a ticket to Los Angeles. He continued his journey, and after days of terror, Tina was finally free from her rapist. After leaving her at the gate, Christopher made his way north and attempted to abduct a woman in Beverly, Massachusetts. He was unsuccessful and, after she fled from him, Christopher made his way to a Vicks Gettys service station in Colebrook, New Hampshire on April 13, 1984, where he was noticed by two state troopers, Leo Jellison and Wayne Fortier. They approached the fugitive and Christopher, realizing they were closing in on him, retreated into his car and armed himself with his Colt Python 357 Magnum. Leo grabbed Christopher from behind and in the scuffle, two shots were fired. The first hitting Christopher, exiting through his back into Leo and the second hitting him dead in the chest. Christopher Wilder, after weeks of terror and bloodshed, did not survive his injuries and died before he could be taken back to Australia for his court hearing. Leo Jellison, though seriously injured, survived the shooting and made a full recovery. At the end of his rampage, Christopher Wilder, also known as the Beauty Queen Killer, raped at least 12 women and killed at least eight of them over the course of just six weeks. Though his death put a final period on a number of cases, it also meant that police were never able to question him about the victims they may not have initially attributed to his spree. Along with the eight known victims that were killed between February and April of 1984, Christopher Wilder is suspected in the murder and disappearances of many others. Like the rape of two young girls, aged 10 and 12, that took place in Florida in 1983, or the disappearance of 15-year-old Colleen Osborne, who went missing in Daytona Beach around the same time Christopher was staying in a nearby motel. He is also a suspect in the unsolved Wanda Beach murders that took place in Sydney in January of 1965, the disappearance of Mary Opitz from 1981, as well as the disappearance of Mary Hare took place a month later in the same Fort Myers, Florida parking lot. He is a suspect in the 1979 murder of Tammy Alexander, which we covered on November 9th, 2021, a 1982 Jane Doe from Loahatchee, Florida, Tina Marie Beebe, Sherry Lynn Ball from Boca Raton, Florida, Nancy K. Brown, and Tammy Lean LaPert, who disappeared from Cocoa Beach, Florida. After his death, prior to being cremated, Dr. Robert Christie, the New Hampshire pathologist, got a call from a man claiming to represent Harvard University. He said that Christopher's brain was wanted for a study in order to determine any defects that could lead to his killing spree and the doctor agreed to deliver the brain upon a receipt of a written request. Two weeks later, the doctor was still waiting, and when he inquired with the university, they denied ever making such a request. 
Christopher Wilder's personal estate, worth more than $7 million, was eventually divided amongst the families of his victims. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to a terrible thing happened on February 27th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.